0: Father God, thank you so much for your word, and again, thank you that we can gather together here on a, a Thursday afternoon to come before you to pray, to seek your face, to worship and honor you, uh, and to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak your word deep into our hearts in the power of your Holy Spirit, show us uh, how you want us to live and what you want us to do uh, in response to all of that, and, uh, and I pray, Lord, that your spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today through Jesus Christ our lord amen amen paul's writing here and he says do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it every athlete exercises self-control in all things they do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable so i do not run aimlessly i do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. May God rest to us this reading from His Holy Word. Well, we've been talking here the last uh, the last few weeks about the troubled times. I think that we're we're starting to enter into the tough times, and and I really we feel like it, it's just kind of all around us. If you think about. Uh, what's happened with Swindon now that Honda said, okay, we're going to move our operations back to Japan. If you think about Brexit and what's happening there and companies that are struggling, if you look at what's happened here in the last few days with the uh, people that have left uh, Labor Party and Conservative Party to join an independent group, I mean, we're looking around us and we're seeing a lot of change and a lot of upheaval and a lot of crazy things that are going on uh, around us. And I, I really do feel like this is just the beginning. Many economists are, are estimating at some point in time, within the next two years, we could have another very significant uh, global economic event, such as the crash that, that happened, or whatever they call it these days, back in 2008, and, and the thought is that the next one will be a major debt crisis uh, around the world. One of the really weird things about the world is there's, there's trillions and trillions of dollars, dollar-denominated debt, around the world. And I keep thinking, okay, who owes what to whom? I mean, how, how can it possibly be that the UK is in debt, the United States is in debt, China is in debt, uh, the EU is in debt, uh, and, and the level, it's, it's like everybody's in debt, and some people are more in debt than others, but you got to ask, who, who owns the debt? Who's carrying all this debt? And so it's really easy to see how there could be a massive crisis if somebody starts to ask that question, and then someone says, well, okay, I have all this debt, but I don't know who I owe the debt to, so I guess I'm not going to pay anybody. Then what begins to happen, and uh, you can just begin to imagine the instability and the problems and the crises that are going to come about potentially in the next few years, And I've really felt like with this Brexit thing, felt the Lord was telling me when I was in Scotland that that Brexit, that this time that we're going through, God is going to use it to humble our nation. Uh, And so it really doesn't matter if we Brexit or don't Brexit at this stage. Uh, God's going to humble the United Kingdom. He'll humble it through Brexit or uh, he'll humble it without Brexit, but it's going to happen. Uh, And uh, for a lot of people, that's a fearsome thing. I mean, for us as Christians... It's a hopeful thing because it's often when the world is in crisis, when the troubled times come, the tough times come, that people are open to hear more about Jesus. And so it's a real opportunity for us to testify to our faith in Jesus Christ, to share Jesus with other people, uh, and to stand strong uh, in the midst of this turmoil. And people will look at us and say, okay, why why are you the person at peace uh, if we are the people at peace? I mean the problem right now with Christianity particularly in the west is that we're so similar to the the surrounding culture that sometimes people can't tell us uh any different from from anybody else. Uh and so that's a real challenge for some people in in terms of their walk with the Lord and things like that. So we're talking about then how do how do we as Christians then travel through tough times, and do it in such a way where we maintain our faith, we maintain our strength, we maintain our witness, and we see the power of God manifesting in us to an even greater degree. Because I think when these times come, I really do do feel like we're going to see more people healed, uh, more people set free from the demonic, uh, more impact in our lives, even in the marketplace. But we need to know how to live. And we set the stage for the whole thing in the first week Uh, and I just want to remind everybody every time that the two key parts of this is that we have to focus on Jesus and be filled with the Spirit. Focus and be filled. If we lose our focus on Jesus, we're not seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then at the end of the day, none of the other things that we talk about in this whole series is going to make any difference. It really comes out of our focus on Jesus and are being filled with the Holy Spirit, that we can then engage in these other things by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And nothing is truer than the the text today and the idea of developing discipline in our lives. You know, discipline for its own sake has absolutely no benefit. You know, if I am just refusing to eat cherry pies for the sake of refusing to eat cherry pies, uh, and, and I know that there's no benefit that if I eat cherry pies or I don't eat cherry pies, it doesn't make any difference in my life, but then I exercise the discipline of not eating cherry pies, I'm just silly. I'm foolish. I might as well enjoy the cherry pie. You know, if it's not going to make any difference in my life, why give it up? Now, the problem is that cherry pies will elevate my blood sugar, and they'll increase my waistline, and then I'll have to replace all my genes. You know, and that's not a happy circumstance, you know. So so discipline, the discipline of not because I used to go to Tesco used to have these lovely little cherry pies and I and and they're supposed to feed six and they would feed me one. You know. <laughs> you know, I I'd eat one, you know, I I'd go, I wouldn't let Karen have any, or she would want some, and that was really great, because I'd give her a little piece, because she doesn't like a lot. So I'd give her a little piece and that was my excuse to finish the rest. Because you know, after all, you don't want to take up space in the refrigerator with something like this. And it's so small, and it's only a quid, so why not eat the whole thing? You know, so the discipline, actually, there, there was a need to do discipline. There was a purpose for the discipline, and there's a power for the discipline. And if we don't have the purpose and the power, then the discipline doesn't make any sense. So we need the purpose, and we need the power in order to be disciplined, in order to travel through tough times. So, and that's essentially what Paul is talking about today. He's just talked about how he tries to be all things to all people so that by all means he might see some of them saved. Uh, And then he talks about his own life. You know, he, he starts out and he says, now in a race, there are a lot of runners, but there's only one person that runs to get the prize. So you be that person that runs to get the prize. Paul is not saying here that there's only one person to get the prize. In fact, one of the great things about the Christian life, the promise of the the scriptures of the New Testament, is that we can all receive the same reward. If we are faithful, if we do what God has called us to do, if we run the race that is set before us, we will get the wreath, the crown of righteousness, at the end of the race. And my crown is not going to be any bigger than any of your crowns. It won't shine more brightly. It won't be more valuable. Every one of us will receive the same crown for running our own race. But we have to run it like people who want to win. Because the danger is this. you can say, okay, well, I'm going to get a crown, so why should I do anything? If I know that I'm going to get the crown, why should I run instead of walk? Why should I put in the effort for the crown if I know I'm going to get a crown? And Paul goes on to say a little bit later, he says, well, you know, don't get Disqualified. Even though you can get the same reward, we can also disqualify ourselves. So, Paul says, the first thing, the first aspect of this developing discipline is that we need to have in our minds that we're running a race, where we need to go through these tough times, and I want to go through the tough times in victory. I want to have the crown. And I'm confident that if I go focused on Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, I will get the crown. But that does not release me of my responsibility to run the race and to do my absolute best in running the race. And that's a cool thing. I, I, I've, I've never been a runner. Uh, my center of gravity is like here, and good runners have their center of gravity right there. Uh, so with the center of gravity here, this means that I'm a very good faller. I can fall very well. Uh, you know, I was on the Olympic drowning team. Uh, so, you know, I could drown very effectively. Uh, I used to do uh, uh, water dragging. Uh, that's when you put on water skis and you drag behind a boat backwards. Uh, I could water drag. I could have been on the Olympic water dragging team. All of that is because I don't have the right, the right uh, body orientation to be a great runner. But the great thing is I don't have to. As long as I'm running with all my effort, I'm really running to make a difference, to get to the end then I can still get the prize. I can still get the crown. I can still win the race. But I need to engage in the running. I need to run the race to the best of my ability. And so that's the first thing Paul says. As we develop these disciplines that the Lord brings into our life, as we develop disciplining ourselves, we've got to be sure that we're going to run the race like people who want to win the race, not like people who think we're going to get the crown uh, no matter what. So he says, first of all, run the race like you're going to win it. Discipline yourself. Work at this like somebody who wants to win the race. Then he goes on in the second one. He says, verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So the second dynamic here is Paul's reminding us that if you're an athlete, athletes, all athletes do certain things. Runners have to run. They have to practice running. They do it and they keep on doing it and they build up their stamina and they build up their strength and that is what enables them to run further. Somebody who's going to throw a javelin has to practice with that javelin. Somebody who's going to play golf has to practice playing golf. They have to keep doing it and there are certain disciplines, you know, if somebody really wants to be a golfer, you can always see these guys, you know, they'll, they'll, and gals, it's not just men, you know, sometimes they'll be in their office and it's the person who's looking down kind of like this and uh, you think, what in the world are they doing when they're practicing their putting? And they're doing it in their mind, even though they don't have a putter in their hand. They're waiting for that time and just by setting their mind in a certain direction and then practicing that and putting the effort in, putting the energy in, Uh, learning how to discipline themselves, they become a better athlete. And the same is true for us as Christians. The the difference is, for us as Christians, it's not about physically running, but there are many other things, like prayer, for example. I remember when the Lord first told me to pray an hour a day. and I I felt like looking at the Lord and saying, Lord, are you crazy? Who can pray an hour a day? I I didn't even think about it. And then he said, get up at 6 a.m. and pray an hour a day. Then I thought he was really crazy. Uh, Because I don't like the mornings. Uh, I'd rather be up late praying for an hour, uh, but get up at 6 a.m. And so I did that, and it was amazing. The first time I did it, I like, you know, oh, gosh, it's been a long time. And I look, and it's been like two minutes. But as I did it, and as I kept doing it, it came to be that an hour wasn't sufficient. And now I feel a bit destitute and deprived if I only pray an hour. I need to pray more. You know, I need to engage that more. The same way was true with, with the scriptures. You know, when I first started studying the scriptures, especially, you know, training for ministry and things like that, I never learned this stuff. And I was thinking, how do people memorize so much of the Bible? I mean, I, I had trouble memorizing my own name, let alone a verse of the scriptures. Uh, but as I interacted with the scriptures, as I proclaimed the scriptures, as I disciplined myself to study the scriptures, I found I got to learn the scriptures better. And I don't remember everything, but I know that there are a lot of things that come to my mind that I've gotten through repeated discipline and practice. And so the key for us as Christians is to learn what disciplines that we need to implement so that we can travel through these tough times, so that we can run the race as the athlete that God has made us to be, the spiritual athlete that God's made us to be. And what I've learned is that there's a whole panoply of spiritual disciplines. I mean, there's got prayer. You have worship. Uh, you have fellowship. You have generosity. Uh, you have serving. Uh, the, the, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of different things that you do, uh, that you can engage in that are spiritual disciplines. And what I've learned is that we all need different a different set of disciplines. It's a bit like some people are called to run, be long-distance runners. That's a different set of disciplines than even being a sprinter, even though it's the same thing. And our key is so we have to seek the Lord and say, Lord, show me what my disciplines are. What do I need to develop? For some people, it's fasting. Now, fasting is a good discipline for everybody, but some people are called to implement it more. Everybody should pray, but sometimes God calls us to a deeper engagement with prayer Uh, then we find convenient or easy. Everybody should fellowship, but we need to practice that discipline repeatedly and keep on with it and learn it and grow and grow deeper in it. Uh, And so we need to learn what disciplines the Lord particularly is calling us to, not to exclude the others, but there are some He's calling you to, and they will be different than the ones He calls me to. It depends on the course that He has set out for us. But the point is, that we must discipline ourselves. Uh, We must exercise that kind of self-control and that it's all up to us. And we can do it if we focus on Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. If we try to do it just in our own strength or our own energy, uh, it will never quite work. But God is calling us to do it and he's empowering us to do it. And then uh, Paul goes on, he says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not... Box is one beating the air. It's key here when Paul says he's saying he doesn't practice any kind of spiritual discipline without a purpose. You know, it's not like he goes out fasting because he thinks, oh, you know, fasting is a good thing to do, and so I'm going to do it. Everything he does has a purpose, everything he does is being led by the Holy Spirit. And it's key to understand. The other dynamic, by the way, about discipline here is that discipline is not the same as running the race. So just because you're disciplining yourself to spend time in prayer, it doesn't mean that that discipline is the race itself. The discipline just prepares you for the race. Like for myself, my prayer time is not just the race I'm running. It's part of it, but it's not. My prayer time is what enables me, prepares me to do things like this. So the discipline prepares me for ministry. The discipline prepares us to run the race. And that might be in your workplace as well. I mean, if I was in the marketplace every day, uh, in, in offices like you guys are, you know, I'd have to be spending at least an hour a day in prayer. And that's so I don't you know, kill all my coworkers. I mean, if I don't have that discipline, then I'm going to lose control and do something I really shouldn't do. And obviously, I wouldn't murder anybody. Uh, I don't think I would, but you never know. Uh, but, uh, but there are others. I mean, I could murder people with my words or things like that. And so we have to be careful. Then finally, Paul says, it doesn't run aimlessly, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The last dynamic here is that, you know, no discipline just involves us spiritually. The disciplines we're called to do engages the whole person. I don't just pray with my mind. My body is engaged with prayer. Uh, And the key thing is, too, that my body generally never wants discipline. My body wants to eat the cherry pies and wants to eat the cherry pies aimlessly. My body does not like it when I deprive it. My body does not like it when I resist it. Uh, And many times we're drawn more by our bodies and what our bodies are craving than we are what our spirits are craving. And so we always have to understand as we're running to win... As we are preparing ourselves through the disciplines God's called us to practice, we also must understand that we're also disciplining our bodies. You know, we're, my body didn't want to get out of bed this morning. I had to make it get out of bed. My body, everything in me wanted to stay in bed. But I said, no, i got to get up. Got to get up. And, and so we have to exercise that kind of self-control. And the good news is we can because the Bible tells us that Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So if we're focused on Jesus, filled with the Spirit, we can control ourselves. And it's also the only legitimate form, the only biblical form of control. We can't control other people. We can't control Brexit. We can't control whether or not people walk out of our political parties. But we can control ourselves. We can control uh, how we're going to act. We can control how we live. We can control what we say. These things are under our control. And Paul says, You know, I'm going to control my body because I don't want to be disqualified. And we need to control ourselves as we de- develop this discipline. Because if we don't develop discipline, the tough times that we're going to travel through will destroy us. We won't thrive, we'll fail. And so, but the good news is, it doesn't have to destroy any of us as followers of Jesus, because Jesus saved us. He's redeemed us from the power of sin. He's redeemed us from the power of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the Holy Spirit fills us to empower us to run that race that God has set before us with endurance. Father God, thank you so much. Not that we're about to go through tough times, and I pray, Lord, for our nation that we don't go through tough times. But Lord, I thank you that you have empowered us by your Holy Spirit to travel through tough times fruitfully and faithfully. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd show each of us here what discipline, maybe, Lord, just show us one discipline that we need to develop or begin developing this week that will be part of the key to helping us travel through tough times. We love you, and we honor you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and worship.